You're listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Commentary, Trek Stars. Yeah. Unless we figure out a better title. But that's what we're calling it for now. I'm Mike. I'm Max. And uh, we, this is a podcast which is um, which will take a look at the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. Yeah. Okay. Um, We're going to orbit all around Star Trek, but not dive into it or send an away mission to it. We'll skim the surface. Yeah. 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 But, but it's going to be more about the fringe elements. Yep. The moons of Trek. Yeah. All right. Io and whatnot. This episode, we're not really going to do that, though. This is going to be sort of an introduction. We're going to tell you who we are and, and what, what it is that you can expect from this show mm-hmm. in the future. So um, we are the hosts of a podcast called Commentary Track Stars. So you see what we did there with the title. And you can tell we have good audio because you can tell that that one vowel sound is different. It's a play on a play on words. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what can you do? Um, it's just so... I, 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 I can't believe it. It's a pun. It's fun. It's awful. Yeah. Puns are terrible. Well, what can uh, you do? All yeah. right. What, what are you going to do? We, we do the, the show Commentary Track Stars, which you can find at commentarytrackstars.com. And we record audio commentaries, like screen-specific audio commentaries. More or less. More or less. For movies and television shows and the occasional other thing here and there. and <clears throat> Presidential um, debate. Right. We should do one of those. And That, that sounds like it would be really boring. Yeah. And long. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And we uh, have done a lot of episodes and, and movies for, for the Star Trek franchise since we are, you know, lifelong uh, fans of, of, of Star Trek. And, and through that show, we uh, collaborated with Josh, uh, the founder of the Delta Quadrant. And um, based on that collaboration, you know, one time when, when he ran into a bind or they ran into a bind, we, we actually sat in for them on an episode of the Delta Quadrant. And through that, we met Colin of Trek News and Views. And once you meet Colin, then you pretty much meet everyone in the Star Trek podcasting community, which is really big. Like, I mean, I assume that there are, you know, a decent number of Star Trek podcasts out there. I had no idea how many Star Trek podcasts were out there. Well, if if stereotypes tell us anything, it's that Star Trek fans tend to be nerds, and nerds tend to know how to use equipment. And we're nerds. Yeah. So it makes sense that, that we're doing this now. And, I mean, it, it, it's it's been a long time coming. It's sort of been one of those Getting things. Getting from there to here? Oh, don't do that. You set it up. We've always thought that, you know, it made sense for us to do a Star Trek podcast at some point. Because, like, we're kind of on the fringe of that community, you know? I feel like there's a bunch of people, and they're all like, Hey, guys, 
It's fun being part of this gang. Look at those two guys over there, too. Hey, guys. And then they'd kind of, like, wave to us from across the street, and we'd be like, hi. And then maybe occasionally they'd be like, do you want to come over and play with us? And we'd be like, oh, can we really? And then we go over there and we play with them, and it's a lot of fun. But then we have to go home, and, you know, it. It. I always wanted to, 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 to do a Star Trek podcast. Yeah. It seemed like the logical next step. But... The problem with it is that there are so many that it's hard to do a Star Trek show and not be redundant. <laughs> this sounds like the early 80s. <laughs> what do we do about this? Or the 90s. Or well, or, or any decade so far. <laughs> yeah. Maybe even this one. Well, maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, it's true. It's, it's a problem which the franchise itself has run into on, on numerous occasions. So... Um, I recently came up with an idea which I thought would be different and something, you know, somewhat interesting and something which I thought that we could contribute to where, you know, it's not... Because, I mean, like, you you, you listen to, like, the Delta Quadrant with Matt and his, you know, like, encyclopedic knowledge of, of Star Trek, and it's like... What what business do I have doing a Star Trek podcast? Even though like it was my life for like a, a good you know decade, and and I've seen every episode and everything like that. It's like I know nothing. I know nothing. So what am I going to add to this conversation? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Well. The 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 difference is that we are actually a different type of nerd. Maybe they're like most people in the in the Star Trek podcasting community are are nerds of a certain type. We're we kind of took a different angle on our Star Trek fandom. We essentially don't we don't think about it as um, significantly different from other pieces of fiction. And that's the thing. And I mean, this is this is what it is. This is why I want to do this and everything like that is because, like. As much of a Star Trek fan as I am, I'm much more of a movie fan. Yeah, I, and, yeah me too. But but Star Trek is what led to me becoming a movie fan. It's like when I was in high school and everything like this, and obviously I'm talking about in general terms here, but you know, I, I saw the Star Trek universe as a sort of reality. And the idea of like a deviation from that reality seemed bizarre to me. It, it's like it felt yeah. so perfect no i know we've we've been over this like i i have that with star wars and 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 you have it with star it's very weird i I mean i have it with star wars too you know but it's like the idea of like a a deleted scene or or like a a different draft of a movie it's like what do you mean this is what they were planning on doing which is odd because you actually like didn't grow up with it no and and that's usually the thing that that the, the the aspect that's required in order to have that particular psychology well i think what it was was i didn't know really how movies were made you know i didn't know what a writer's room was i didn't know what it was a director did and star trek is what introduced me to that concept you know and and you know the idea that there are people making these shows there, there are you know. There's a large staff of of writers and directors and you know, art directors. You know, just artisans in general, who you know, craft these shows. You know, they don't just come into existence. You know, it's not you know like someone has a has a has a 
a guardian on the edge of forever who's, you know, looking into the, the future and just recording, you know, these events with their tricorder and then playing them back for us and or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, yes, I do. Okay. I do. It, it, they, they're made by people. Yes. And, you know... That's what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. And and one of the things which, which I've, you know, explored in my later Star Trek fandom years is what it is these people do and where do they come from? Where have they gone after that? You know, I mean, like, I'm a huge fan of Deep Space Nine. You well, know, but I, I, the, like, I mean, most people who have an interest in, like, something, like, if you if you read a book... Yeah. And you're like, that book was awesome. You're going to see what other books that person has written. Yeah, and there's definitely some of that. I mean, like, William Shatner has a huge following, you know, and there's yeah. a lot of Star Trek people who went and watched Boston Legal. But yeah. TV, unlike movies, it, it, it's it's a little vague as to who exactly is doing this stuff. You know, well, there's so many people involved. Uh, it's It's... It's fuzzy depending on, you know, a lot of factors. It's not just TV. There's also there are definitely movies where the oh, yeah. the there's it's it's difficult to call who's who's the dominant force sure. in a production. Yeah. And and you know like reading books like the Star Trek Deep Space 9 companion and stuff like that, you know, I it 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 really sort of, you know, shines a light on on what it is that these people do. You know, and like Ira Stephen Bear, he's not just a name at the end of the credits. He is the guy who made the best, you know, Star Trek show of all time. And it's he like, is that guy. In, in, in a lot of ways, I'm more interested in the new Ira Stephen Bear show than I am in the new Star Trek show. You know, I'm, I'm more inclined to go check out, you know, 4400 or, or Crash or Alphas than I am, uh, Star Trek Voyager or Star Trek Enterprise. I'm 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 right there with you, except for Crash. Okay, because I saw the movie. Well, the movie was crap, but that's well. So why continue? Because what if Crash was made by Iris Stephen Bear? I understand the parallel universe concept behind this, but I I, I you know I stand by my philosophy that uh, a bad idea is a bad idea, whether or not it's executed well. Okay, all right. So with that in mind. My idea for this show was that we look at what it is that the people who have created Star Trek have done outside of Star Trek. Yes. But we'll, we'll get into to specifics of exactly what it is we're, we're doing, you know, in, in a bit. You know, let's, let's start at the beginning um, and look at, you know, what our relationship with Star Trek is so that, you know, the people listening to us have some sort of idea as to where we're coming from. Mm-hmm. So, Max... What, what what was your first exposure to Star Trek? I have no idea. I was probably, pro- I was probably before I was able to talk. I, I I know I know for a fact that when I was, when when I was two years old, and and my parents and and I we moved out of the country, uh, I had already seen Star Trek. It's, and I don't know exactly how much Star Trek I knew. But I like there are there are photos of me as like a like a three year old, uh, wearing like Star Trek T shirts, and and you know like drawing, what I thought the Enterprise looked like. Do do we have a, do you have a picture of you three year old Max in a Star Trek T shirt? Yeah. Can we can we uh, 
get get a copy of that, put it up on the website. No, I, uh, I really want to see what a three year old Max looks like. It's I'm exactly assuming... it's exactly like I look now, but like imagine me much farther away because I was a lot smaller. See, I get that impression. Like you know that episode of the the Clerks cartoon where they show like little Dante and little Randall, and they have like their same voices. Yes. That's the impression that I get of you as a kid. Yes, you have the same voice. You're just tiny with like a really big head. Yeah, that, that's that's actually more or less accurate. So, so Star Trek has always been a part of your life. Do you, do you remember like the first time which you you were like aware of it? Like, not not just it being a thing, but like, do you have like a, a memory? You know, an, an early memory of of watching it on sort of a a cognizant level. Um. Well, um, it, it, I, I sort of have a fuzzy memory of watching it in, in, in the living room of, of the house that I lived in when I was five. And I know that I, I, I was not watching it with, with very close attention because I had seen that episode. Do you remember which episode it was? No. Okay, so this would be before Next Generation. Yes. When when were you exposed to the movies? Now, uh, what the motion picture came out before you were born. Wrath of Khan, you would have been about three. Yeah. So. Um, I I I don't I don't know because uh, it was um, you know, like I, I I don't have any like basically no real concrete solid memories from the era. It doesn't matter Star Trek or not. Like essentially, my my memories kick in around the time that I started thinking. I think there might be some problems with Star Trek Three, <laughs> and that was that was probably I'm gonna guess seven, because that's because uh, that would that would line up with me in in second grade, and and I know that I was I was um I was very critical of Star Trek Three in the second grade. Okay. So that would have been right around the time that Star Trek Four was coming out. Do you did you see that in the theater? Yes. And then that was also you know right around the time that Next Generation was uh, first aired. I remember you saying at one point that that you you had seen pretty much every episode of Next Generation as it aired. Yeah, that's accurate. You know, I probably missed. Maybe you know, like fifteen twenty minutes of screen time during its entire run, because I like there were definitely times where I would arrive late, and there were definitely times where the VCR cut off at the end. So, it's uh, it's difficult to say, but I yeah, I, I watched them all as it aired. Okay, and let me let me just say for the record that that fact is like the only reason why when it came to see an advanced screening of Star Trek Nemesis and only one of us could go, I deferred to you because I was like as big of a fan of Star Trek as I am, as much as I want to see this movie, you've you've earned it more than me. Yeah, yeah. It's it's unfortunate that it was Nemesis. Oh, what can you do? Um, And then, you know, Deep Space Nine, you... Did you you uh, enjoy that show? I take it. Um, yeah, I did. I I, I, w- I was really into Deep Space Nine. It was um, it was a frustrating time to be you know a Star Trek fan and a Chicagoan because yes. it was it was not easy to find out when that show was on. Yeah, for sure. It it aired in, in syndication here, and the big problem was that it, it aired on the same channel that broadcast uh, Chicago Cubs baseball games, and lots of times the 
and and the, the the time slot for Deep Space Nine was like Saturday Sunday afternoon at four o'clock or something like that. And every once in a while, it was Sunday morning at around two in the morning. Right, you, you would never know where you, you yeah. you'd be able to find that show. That's actually the reason why I had to sort of like give it up about you know four seasons in was because I didn't know where to find it. Yeah, it was very disappointing because I, I do think that that is the best you know Star Trek show. Now Voyager, Voyager, I, that that was not uh, your favorite of series, correct? Um, that seems safe to say, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's not my favorite. Is it your least favorite? Tough call. That is a tough call. I mean, the one thing that we didn't talk about was the animated series. Yeah, well, the animated series, you know, like was was actually something I really, really, really hated very early on. Very early on, before I had any sort of sense of like what good drama was, I knew I couldn't stand the animated series. Though I knew that that was the version of Star Trek that was just terrible, just unwatchably bad. Yeah. So I, I was like, that's when you know, whatever, wherever the criticism angle came in, wherever that like you know like consciousness occurred, it was well after I, I swore off the animated series. Okay, yeah. For me, like, I didn't see the animated series until high school, until after I had been exposed to... Well, Voyager hadn't been um, released yet, but okay. uh, but but I had seen, you know, everything else up until that point. And mm-hmm. um, I was fascinated by the fact that there was a Star Trek cartoon. That concept, you know, sort of blew me away. And the fact that none of the episodes, aside from yesteryear, are any good... Um, didn't really factor into my uh, awe of of that show. Uh, so okay, so you you think the animated series is worse than Voyager? But you know, how do you do you think Voyager compares to Enterprise? That's the tough call. I I, I you know like the the animated series. I I don't know where to put that because I I, I hate it completely irrationally. Uh, but uh, but you know. Voyager versus Enterprise is a very t- difficult call because while I thought that a lot of episodes of Voyager, a big chunk of Voyager, like like you know like seventy percent of that that land, is is you know is you know just inhospitable to life, you know you couldn't get you know grass to grow there, let alone fruit, and Enterprise, it's a much smaller plot of land, but like there's volcanoes in there. It's it's just not a not a good place to be, so. Difficult to say. Uh, usually, I, I get more upset by things that are boring, but the, the but Enterprise. When we get around to the guys who made Enterprise, I'm gonna have some problems. Okay. Well, I, you know, I don't know. We'll I, burn that bridge when we get to it. Okay. I, I don't quite share your opinion on that. I mean, I do. I'm not a fan of Voyager so much. I mean, again. Star Trek is Star Trek, you know, and, and like we talked about when we were on the Delta Quadrant, even the worst Star Trek is better than, you know, most stuff on television. Most, yes. Well, I don't know. Have you seen the NBC lineup this season? <laughs> no, I haven't. Okay. But um, Voyager to me was was a show which sort of, with, with a lot of promise, and that did not fulfill that promise. And and that to me was 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 problematic. Um, I, I did not like 
that show too much as far as Star Trek shows are concerned. Enterprise, on the other hand, I think the first two years were sort of an extension of Voyager, you know, like stuck in that same rut that they had been in for seven years. And then in season three, when they chose to to do the Zindi arc, that to me was, you know, fresh and cool and new. And I think Manny Cotto had a lot to do with that. And um, I think that seasons three and four of Enterprise are some of the best Star Trek that that's out there. Yeah, that's completely wrong. Okay. Well, we can talk about that later on. But Deep Space Nine is my favorite show. Next Generation is the show that I grew up with, you know, so I, I love that, you know, with, despite all of its flaws, aside from season one and two. And, um, you know, the original series, I think, is, is a show where, you know, you look at it, there's like 10 or so really great episodes, like really, really, really great episodes. And that sort of, you know, gives gives me at least the impression that it's a, a much better show than it actually was because those other 70 episodes are kind of bad and when they get bad they get really bad you know yes it's um it's a very 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 mixed bag yeah it does it does oscillate between you know transcendently brilliant and really seriously this is happening now this yeah. is happening <clears throat> yeah. Okay, I'm watching a TV show where this is happening. That those those two events are very very strange. And and it sort of you know goes from week to week. You know yeah. you get you know shows that are as awesome as The Trouble with Tribbles or Arena one week, and then shows which <laughs> one are... of these days everybody's going to recognize that Arena is for. Ridiculously boring. <laughs> Arena's ridiculously awesome. <laughs> and then and then you know next week you'll get something like. Uh, Plato's stepchildren. Now, um, as far as the movies are concerned, I know that you're overly critical of, of most of them. What you like, what? Two? I wouldn't say overly. Okay, but you like two. I would say appropriately. Okay, you, you like two, four, and six. Yeah, and then one. Yeah, well, I mean, like is the, is not the word. Okay, I okay. which use. which one? Because I actually th- do like most of them, but three I don't. I don't like watching. I can't. I can't enjoy the the experience of watching three. But I would say that that two and six are legitimately really fantastic movies, and the other movies are totally without question movies that exist. Okay, so like motion picture. What are your thoughts on that? Definitely happened. Came out in theaters. Um, on film. And uh, I saw it on home video, and and then uh, when it was over, I wasn't watching it anymore. Motion picture is the first was my first exposure to, exposure to Star Trek. I uh, was a huge fan of Star Wars growing up. Kind of lost interest when I started playing baseball and stuff like that. Rediscovered it at about the age of eleven, and you know went fully you know into that world, that Star Wars world, where I basically just watched Star Wars 24-7. And from that, I was like, well, I should expand my horizons a bit. And Maybe uh, the e- e- Ewoks uh, and droids? That, that was, no, that was later on. That yeah. was later on when it aired on the Sci-Fi Channel. Um, but I uh, you know, felt, felt that I needed to, to expand my horizons re- regardless of that. And... Uh, I, my aunt had all the Star Trek movies on videotape, and she let me borrow them. 
and I had, you know, one through five out there, you know, boom, and December 25th, 1992, I, I put Star Trek, the motion picture, into the VCR, and I was bored to tears. There's so much so that I pretty much had decided that I wasn't going to watch any of the other ones except for number four because everyone had talked about how funny it was. You know, which and then is Harv weird. Bennett came into the room and he was like, "Seriously, give give this second movie a chance." It wasn't Harv Bennett. It was <laughs> it was uh, my friend Matt. Yeah, who came over and was like, "You got the Star Trek movies here? These movies are awesome." And I'm like, "I just saw the first one. It was terrible." He's like, "Oh yeah, the first one's terrible, but two, three, four, they're awesome." And I'm like, "Okay," and he's like, "Let's watch them." I'm like, "Wow, okay. what a liar!" Well, you know, whatever. But you know, we, we so we watched them all back to back to back, and two, three, and four in one night, and it it was awesome. I really, really loved them, and you know, then we watched five, which was less awesome, and then I, uh, you know, started you know checking out what was on TV. You know, the Next Generation. The first episode I saw was uh, the Hunted, and the first episode of of um, the original series that I saw was Galileo Seven, and you know, I'm like. Over the span of about a month, I went from some not the worst episode to start with. No, it's not. It's, it's a pretty good episode. Yeah. Over over the span of about a month, it literally was about a month. Uh, I went from someone who had never seen an episode of Star Trek to like the biggest Star Trek fan in the world. But like I was saying before, that you know where Star Wars led to Star Trek. Star Trek then led to other movies. You know, it, it, I mean, looking back at it, it's kind of weird. The fact that I was like, I'm going to watch Star Trek Four because it's funny, you know, and and like like the the Star Trek episodes and stuff that I latched onto were generally the ones which were funny, and I was kind of disappointed when you know something dramatic came into uh, into the mix or you know I, I always liked it when they sort of did their their genre bending stuff with like a piece of the action or. Uh, you know, the elementary dear data or whatever, but it never really occurred to me to maybe just check out, you know, the Hound of the Baskervilles or, um, you know, Chinatown or, and, or a comedy, you know, I was like, I can't wait for the comedy episode of Star Trek because that's some good comedy. There's some funny bits in there. It's like, well, why not just watch Saturday Night Live? You know what I mean? It's weird. Like, I never, like, just thought outside of that box. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but what you're describing sounds insane. (laughs) I am aware of this, okay? Okay. I mean, I was only, like, 13 years old at the time, but still, it's weird. Uh, Yeah, I mean, to me, me, the, the, uh, like, this guy made this thing I love, I should check out this other thing, that came into existence when I realized that my two favorite franchises both started with the same green font. And I was like, oh, I should find out what else has this font. Yeah. Well, and I, that, that, that is the exception there. You know, George Lucas, for sure. Yeah. You know, I checked out the Indiana Jones movies because of Star Wars. I mean, like we just talked about with Zach. You know, Zach introduced me to THX 1138. And I'm sure that the only reason why 14-year-old Zach was watching THX 1138 was because of that green font, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, there that is the exception to the rule. And it's weird because that is like the only, I mean, I I guess there's some of that with Gene Roddenberry, but the thing which we're going to discover is that Gene Roddenberry hasn't really done much outside of Star Trek. So, you know. 
Yeah, it's um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's like you know, at some point in any any you know um, media files existence, they have the moment of realization that a good way to find cool stuff and is to look at one thing that you know is cool by media and see what else that guy did. By media file, you mean P H I L E, right? Media file, because I was thinking you meant like a file of media. I understand. I okay. didn't think of that. Okay, <laughs> it actually makes sense that yeah. that would be a strange word, but I, I I didn't think of it. Yeah, but that makes sense. So yeah, so 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 that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna look at what you know. I mean, because there are a lot of people out there. I mean, you look at all these podcasts and everything like that, and it's all Star Trek, Star Trek, Star Trek, Star Trek, which is awesome because it's great that you can explore. You know, well, for one thing, that there is this this piece of work which is so dense that you can have fifty thousand podcasts dedicated to it, and each one can have its own little angle. But then, you know, let's see what's outside of that box. You know, maybe some people who you know are upset by the fact that there's only a new Star Trek movie every five years now, or whatever it is, four years. You know, while they're waiting for Star Trek Into Darkness, they can check out. Um, Super eight, or whatever. You know what I mean. So, uh, so that's what we're gonna do. And you know, the obvious place to start is with Gene Roddenberry. Yep. Now we're we're gonna try to find an angle on some of these things. You know, which which will will, will make it something that we can approach. You know, we'll bring it down to a level which which we can actually deal with. You know. Well, I don't want to bring things down. Well, what I'm saying is, like, if we were to profile. Uh, the career of William Shatner as an actor yeah. and look at every single thing that he did, right. that, well, that not, would take about 15 years. Right. Obviously, we're going to be talking about the, the part of it that we have an interest in talking about. Right. So, like, in the case of Gene Roddenberry, you know, he, while he's written and produced many, many t- television shows and movies and stuff like that, we're going to look at the shows that he created, or the shows that he wanted to create, because that's the other thing about Gene Roddenberry is he had a lot of ideas which no one likes. You Just know? like Jimmy Carter. <laughs> exactly. So you know he he really outside of Star Trek, he only had one show which was made, um, while he was alive, and then two where they like went through his desk drawer or something and pulled out ideas and then produced them and stuck his name on them because they could, but. You know, he had been dead for like a decade at that point, you know. Yeah. So so we're going to look at Gene Roddenberry as a television creator. And, you know, th- th- this is going to be sort of what we're going to be doing throughout this show, where the first episode will be an introduction to Gene Roddenberry, looking at his work in Star Trek. Then the next series of episodes will be looking at each one of those those works outside of Star Trek that he's done, in depth. It, so we'll have one episode on the lieutenant, one on assignment Earth. We start with the bird's eye view, then we <laughs> fly south, and we see what's there. I don't, I don't know what you're saying, but that's okay. Yeah, that's, let's go with that. That's not complicated. And then at the end of, of, of it all, we will, you know, do a, a wrap up show where we kind of look at at you know their career on the whole and try to you know draw some sort of conclusions or what have you. So, that's the plan. And uh, we will be back next week, I guess, with uh, Gene Roddenberry. 
In the meantime, uh, you can find us, like we said before, at CommentaryTrackStars.com. You can follow us on Twitter at ComTrackStars. You can email us, um, ComTrackStars at gmail.com. And, yeah, go over there. Go over to our website and, and check out um, some of our Star Trek stuff. You know, we, we, if, if you're not comfortable with us, you know, we have a lot of stuff on there. We've collaborated with other Star Trek people like Colin and, and Josh and Matt and JD and Charlene and, and all those those people. So check it out. We should probably set up another email address for our commentary Trek stars because that's just a typo waiting to happen. <laughs> You're right. We'll look into that. So, so that's it. Until next time, um, we will... See you later. Mahalo. Should we come up with like a, a catchphrase like until next time? No. No. I don't okay. think so. <laughs> All right. And we'll talk to you later. <laughs>